Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am your host, Danielle Moody, with guest host, author of the new book, Go Back to Where You Came From, and Daily Beast columnist, Wajahat Ali, back with us again. Good day, my friend. Good day, good day. Hooray, back again. You you, you like me. You really like me. I, I love you. I really love you because I tell you all the time, you make me feel less crazy, Right. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, Waj, before we jump into America being on trial, you know, how do you find Twitter these days? Because I, you know, I, I used to say when people would be like, oh, Twitter is so toxic and this, that, and the other thing, and it's a cesspool. But as of late, I've actually really been feeling this. How have you been navigating through Twitter these days with like the vitriol? I mean, Twitter, like social media, is often the cesspool of humanity. It brings out our collective id. And for better or worse, it emboldens like the worst of us because we have like the beauty of anonymity. And I don't know about you, but whenever I've somehow confronted my trolls in real life, I found out they're like the most meek, like quiet, nice people. And like, hi, how's it going? And like someone says, hey, you know, that person like trolls you all the time. I'm like, what? And so I think it does something that 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 brings out that inner you know the cartoon where it was like the good devil the bad devil and like the good angel and like twitter and social media through anonymity brings out like the worst the worst demons uh, of our id and i feel like especially when it comes to uh, the culture war especially when it comes to race and gender it's like a very triggering place because the right wing has a troll factory and an entire ecosystem that literally unleashes now their own elected officials who parrot these like you know triggering just insensitive messages uh, around around certain you know tragic events that you would think five years ago maybe three years ago maybe seven years ago enough people of common sense would be you know this was wrong but but now it's like well yeah you kyle Rittenhouse is a hero you know amon arbery maybe had it coming uh paul gosar He's a martyr. And you're sitting there as a person of color. I'm glad you you started the conversation the way you did is we also need a space to realize that we're being gaslit and we are not crazy. 
Yep. And, and that's that's the thing, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons for democracy ish, too, is to create a space where people are like, oh, no, no. So the uneasiness that I feel, the anxiety that I feel, I, I said to folks, you know, last week, I took the, the end of last week off because it was my birthday, right? And when I take off, I disconnect from social media and I disconnect from, you know, from cable news. And I do that because, you know, when I'm taking off, I, I need to recharge and restore my spiritual, you know, emotional and physical well-being. But when I dove back in, you know, we're, we're, we're wrapping up the Kyle Rittenhouse case. And for, for those folks, if you remember, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, you know, over the, the uprising summer of 2020, uh, when there were protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, he decided to sling an AR-15 over his shoulder at the age of 17 years old and insert himself in protest where he decided then to kill two people, right? And according to the judge in his case, they're not victims. And we Mm. weren't able to use the word victim because the judge thought that that was too, you know, political. But it was fine to refer to them as arsonists or looters, Mm. but not victims who are no longer able to take the stand as his third victim did, who was only um, harmed, right? He wasn't wasn't killed. Yeah, Rittenhouse shot three, killed two. Shot three, killed two. And so here we are, right? As I'm, as I'm like, you know, di- dipping my toe back into the cesspool of Twitter and I pull up the hashtag Rittenhouse and I, and I just, Waj, when I tell you the things that these people were saying, that these victims, these people who are dead now mm. because of Kyle Rittenhouse, that they had it coming that they shouldn't have been protesting, that they, you know, they should have stayed at home. Mm. And I'm like, it's this overwhelming air of terrorism that you and I are made hostage to. And by you and I say black and brown people, we are by virtue of no accountability and responsibility consistently at the whims of whatever rage-filled white person decides to pick up a weapon and take us out. The same thing is happening right now with the McDaniels case, right? Which is the case of these three white men who hunted Ahmaud Arbery as he was out jogging in his own neighborhood, encircled him with their pickup trucks, gunned him down, are now on trial. And their defense is that they were going to conduct a citizen's arrest because that's how empowered white men feel in this country that with no proof, no nothing, that they're able to capture, and in this case did not capture, just decided to shoot dead a black person that they saw that they didn't like. And, and one of the killers, as he stood over the dead body of uh, Ahmed Arbery, which is a modern-day lynching, honestly, called him an effing N-word. Um, just to let you know how he really felt. Uh, and by the way, nothing happened to those men. Remember that? Like they openly shot and killed this man and then they went home. And once the video was released months later and became a phenomenon on social media, only then did this trial get jump started. So we might not have, you know, he could have literally been killed vigilante style, like in the wild, wild west. Well, not even the wild, wild west, the wild, wild America in the 50s and 60s. We don't have to go back that far. And we would not have even known uh, that Ahmed Arbery was targeted 
and killed by three white men for jogging in his neighborhood while black. And I feel like, you know, a part of me, there's, let me put it this way, you can either laugh or cry, and there's nothing to laugh about. Sometimes you you sit there and you look at the, the actions of Judge Schroeder. Judge Schroeder is like this comical cartoon character who's the judge in the Rittenhouse case, uh, you know, who just today, as we're recording, referred to the black people as the black, the, the black, black, the black, the only black juror. I did not make this up. He referred to the, juror, the black juror as the black the black the only black which i think is an amazing movie that should come out in 2023 like netflix should release the black the black the only black and it should be cast like we should cast that movie but you know when he talks like this about black people when he has the ringtone uh for the song that's played at all the trump rallies when he has this really strange prejudicial uh, uh type of preference towards written house where he lets him pick his own jurors from a bowl randomly uh where he allows the testimony or like the evidence of the cop who congratulates Rittenhouse, right, for basically being there with the AR-15 and shooting three people. Doesn't a part of you say, this is America. This is how it's always been. And now the rest of America is seeing a snapshot of the double standards of injustice that the rest of us have been talking about since forever. And you all thought we were crazy. And you all thought, don't talk about racism. And you all said, don't talk about uh, racial anxiety. It's economic anxiety. And we were bashing our head against the walls in 2015, 2016, trying to warn America about the death rattle of white supremacy. And you're like, you crazy darkies always whining and complaining. (laughs) You know, just calm. We voted for Obama once. Just calm down now. We listened to the Beyonce we had an Asian girlfriend in college. Just, you know, get over it. You know, we eat non-bread, which, by the way, translates to bread bread. But I digress. You know, it's, and it's one of those situations where, like, it's in a strange way, it's cathartic because now the rest of America is clearly seeing the absurd double standards. But then it's also infuriating because I think this dude's going to walk. I'm talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. But, but here's the thing is that. I know he's going to walk. Oh, you're so because cynical. Knew, you're, that, you're, that, I, you're that convinced? I am that convinced because here's the thing. And I said this, you know, uh, a, a couple of weeks back. The last time that I had faith in our justice system was the George Zimmerman trial. Mm. Because I believed in my heart of hearts, watch, that there was no way that this white Latino man was going to get away with knowingly hunting down this teenage boy that lives in this gated community where he lives, listening to the 911 operator that told him, stop following him. That's right. Is he doing anything wrong? You heard the audio, stop following him, right? Which showed who was the menace here, right? Not the unwitting boy that was trying to walk home after going to the corner store. That was the last time I had faith. I said, there's no way. Today, I asked on a IG live, do you think that Zimmerman would have been convicted if there were video, right? Because everyone believed, no, there's no way. Then we watched day after day as it wasn't George Zimmerman that was on trial, but Trayvon Martin. Mm. As we watched as Fox News posted up pictures of him throwing up like rap lyrics as, you know, 16 year old boys do. Right. That they tried to turn this, you know, uh, space camp graduate into some type of thug. 
right? Monster, who deserve thug, to be villain. who deserve to be murdered in broad daylight. And I said, there's no way he's going to walk. And he walked. And when I asked folks, do you think that if there was video evidence, would George Zimmerman be in jail? And they said, no, they don't. Well, I mean, did, look, I mean look, what what did you think when you saw, when you watched that trial? And because this is what birth Black Lives Matter. Well, well, I I thought he'd walk to be honest, and I hate being cynical. It's because this is the good old boy rule of America, where you can uh, exercise justice, the frontier way against the menace that is attacking your suburban community. I'm using the language of the McCloskeys, who. If you guys remember, one of those that pathetic, wealthy, suburban oh, couple in St. Louis that took out guns and pointed them at a peaceful BLM rally. And the, like, the black folks there are like, what's wrong with you guys? And they were charged with like a misdemeanor for illegally brandishing firearms. They were pardoned by the Republican governor. And then they were given a plum spot. At the RNC, Mm -hmm. where they addressed America as a couple, and they literally use the same language that they've been using in this country since the 18th century, since the 19th century, that essentially the blacks are coming and attacking the suburbs, and you have to protect yourselves. And now Mark McCloskey is running for Senate. It's the same language that J.D. Vance who we, we warned you about. We warned you about the hillbilly elegy. We said this is a BS narrative. And the poor whites of Appalachia have rejected this narrative. And remember, they gave that book to us like the Bible in 2016. Mm-hmm. You all have to understand white anxiety. Yep. J.D. Vance, a man who left and is an elitist and made millions on Wall Street and is like a Yaley and like uses the book to promote like Republican narratives. What did he say about the Kyle Rittenhouse case and how did he defend him? I, I have this quoted. Hold on. He tweeted last week. These black men, he was talking about black men, are wolves who set fire to their communities. Quote, wolves who set fire to their communities. I didn't know wolves could start fires. Awesome. And he defended Kyle Rittenhouse, this innocent, now 18-year-old boy who illegally carried an AR-15 to another community where he shot three people, killed two, a boy without a father whose, quote, human nature told him to, quote, go and defend what no one else was defending. I don't know about your human nature, Danielle. It, it, I, it ain't my human nature to overtake the the U.S. Capitol and kill five people when my candidate loses. Uh, it ain't my human nature to go to a different community with an AR-15 and shoot three people. Is it? Is, is, is it? Is it your nature? No, I mean, you know, the the funny thing is, is that I'm filled with rage all the time at the injustices that I see across America. But God forbid that I were to act on them. God forbid, even if I were to go on television and have anything other than a gentle smile on my face, then I'm the one that's labeled as the angry black woman. And I'm the one that will end up on the FBI watch list, right? You have these people that literally... You know, ju- uh, again, the QAnon shaman this week <laughs> just was was just was was sentenced 41 months in prison for attempting to violently overthrow the government. These people were chanting hang Mike Pence after they successfully built a guillotine on mm. the steps of the Capitol. There are people serving 41 months in prison right now for marijuana charges. Yeah which now is a billion dollar industry and yet they are in jail. How do we not have stricter stricter penalties 
for attempting a coup. You, you, ever, you ever see this great movie called History of the World? And uh, Mel Brooks plays a French king. And he goes around in, in, the, in the movie in one of the segments. And he just does anything he wants. He grabs a woman's ass. He, he, you know, he slaps someone. He eats a grape. And each time he does it, he looks at the camera and goes, it's good to be the king. I just remind, just like that, that image is just in my head because it's good to be a white criminal. It's yep. good to be a white killer. It's good to be a white man because I, I, dark humor is necessary. I imagine if I could get like a bunch of black and brown folks, let's just say I got a bunch of black and brown Muslim men who have a lot of facial hair, like, you know, white hipster beards. And we got like, I don't know, say a thousand to uh, safely and peacefully protest uh, gun violence uh, and go to the U.S. Capitol. All I see is chalk lines on the ground. <laughs> Like, I like I can't even imagine. Like, and suppose yep. we spoke Arabic and Turkish, and we said peaceful things, and maybe someone said Allahu Akbar, which means God is great. You know, Allahu Akbar. We live in America. Like, can you just imagine what would happen to us? I mean, there would be a forceful, violent police law enforcement presence. Some heads would get cracked. Somebody would get arrested. Somebody would get shot. And on Fox News, it would be, look at these crazy darkies and Muslims who are swarming and taking over the country, right? Meanwhile, we got the January 6th violent insurrection. We got the McCloskeys. We got Kyle Rittenhouse. We got Eddie Gallagher. I got to bring this guy up because people don't talk about Eddie Gallagher. Eddie Gallagher, for those of you who know, is the white Navy SEAL guy who brutally killed the 12-year-old 12, 12 boy ISIS captive knifed him and he was such a freak and violent sociopath that his own teammates uh, on the navy seal testified against him he is now a hero to their right right wing and was Mm -hmm. pardoned by trump so you got eddie gallagher rittenhouse paul Mm -hmm. gosar the Mm -hmm. mccloskeys Mm -hmm. the generous insurrection the message here and if rittenhouse and the arbory killers go free is open season your Open white season. rage and your white grievance can be exercised. Stand your ground. Take out your gun. Shoot to kill. You will have no consequences. We're going to go back to 1952 in the South, where if a black kid gives you a lip or if he allegedly whistles at you and his name was Emmett Till, mm-hmm. you can get the entire town to hunt him down, kill him, mutilate him, torture him, lynch him, and you will get off scot-free. That's how America is great again for those folks. I'm keeping it blunt, guys. I'm keeping it real. That's what we're looking at. You know, because to me, and here's the thing, because this, to me, Waj, ties back to the right's boogeyman of critical race theory, Mm -hmm. right? The reason why, and again, let me just remind people, critical race theory is not a thing in K through 12. It is something that is taught at the graduate level. It's something that is taught in law school. And we touched upon this last week. Yeah, I took it in the law rea- school. I told you guys. The, the reality is this, that I don't even think a majority of Americans, if you were to poll them, do you know who Emmett Till is? Mm. If they would even know. Because the goal here has always, always been to whitewash our history. It's why after each and every violent and cruel act that is done at the hands of a largely white male group, right? The reason why it is allowed is because, and people say, this is not who we are. It's my favorite mantra that people love to tweet out. They love to say on the news after every single, oh, Trump rips away, breastfeeding children away from their 
undocumented mothers. That's not who we are. Where the hell were you over 400 years of slavery when we were breaking up enslaved African families, Mm. right? And selling them. Where were you when that was happening to Native Americans? But because we don't teach it, because we don't teach it with radical honesty, and instead we fill our history books with euphemisms, right? And the idea of American individualism and and cowboys and patriotism, and we don't tell the truth that you can say something as naive and stupid as this is not who we are, when it is all that we are is violence, when it is all that we are at the foundation of this country is cruelty. And because we don't examine white rage, not as a way to make excuses for it, but as a way to identify a pattern of behavior, Mm. we consistently relive these stories and they get worse and worse every decade. That's the power of story. I'm so glad you touched upon it. There's a great quote by a Jewish American poet named Muriel Rukeyser. And she said in the 20th century, she said, the universe is made of stories, not of atoms. And human beings Mm. are universal storytelling animals. And I think a lot of what we touched upon is exactly that, is that the story of America that this country, not just Republicans, has been taught to believe is a fiction. And once someone tells you that your universal truths are manufactured and a myth and fake. What does that do to you? It unmoors you. It ungrounds you, right? And so are you saying that I can no longer be a victim, that I'm the aggressor? And you're saying there's something called white supremacy that is part and parcel of the American project? And you're saying that the American dream was never realized by people of color because of their skin tone or their national origin or their their, their ovaries? And you're saying that the myth of exceptionalism doesn't work and that not, not everyone can come here and pull themselves up from their bootstrap and there is systemic inequality that we have to confront that I might be complicit in it. No, no, no. That's too much. You are completely shitting upon the American dream and the narrative. You are telling me something that is so radically different from my concept of my vision that I cannot even think for a moment to to even indulge in it, to to dip my mm-hmm. toe in it, as you said, to the point where I will not even read the 1619 Project. Coincidentally, I just got my copy today, came out, because... It so fundamentally shatters my misunderstanding of this country. And if it shatters the misunderstanding of this country, it shatters all the myths, all the propaganda, all the talking points. And then I will be forced to have the uncomfortable conversations about race and white supremacy. And not just that, literally investigate my role in either perpetuating it or being against it. And so it's much more comforting. For me to cast myself as the mm-hmm. victim, Kyle mm-hmm. Rittenhouse, Mark McCloskey, the wealthy Loudoun County, Virginia parents. And instead, you are the villain. You BLM folks are the terrorists. You black and browns who whine and complain make everything racialized. You guys are the race hustlers. And that's why in order to save this country and save the story of America, we have to ban CRT and Beloved and 1619 Project. It really, you touched upon something very, I think, um, deep, and and I'm not trying to be metaphorical here. It's the story. The story of America is being threatened, and the protagonist of America, or the historical protagonist of America, are coming to terms that they might also be the antagonists. And this is a reality that they're violently trying to rewrite as we speak. 
From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Um, you know, one of the things that you bring up to me is, you know, and, and are, are reinforcing is around the story, right? It is around the propaganda. And I love that you use that word because as a former educator, I taught first and second grade back in Washington, D.C. when I lived there. And before I transitioned to the Hill to work on education policy. And I used to say, and people would roll their eyes at me, that the biggest perpetuator and tool of white supremacy is our public education system. Mm. Because if you were to create uh, generations of critical thinkers, right? Those that would examine the story of America and why only a collection of people are upheld, 
right? And why everyone else is ignored. Why you will know the story of Susan B. Anthony, but not the true story of Sojourner Truth. While you will know who, you know, you'll know the story of Benjamin Franklin, right? But not the story of who created the, the, the filament, right? You will <laughs> learn like it, 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 it's, um, it's mind blowing because for every white person, that is celebrated in our history as an innovator, right? As a, as a liberator, as an mm. abolitionist. There are legions of black and brown people who were purposefully erased. Excised. From that narrative. Yeah. And it's the question that, we're, that we need to be interrogating now is to whose benefit and why. And once you are aware of that truth, Right. Once you once you dare I say are woke and conscious to that truth, you can't go back to sleep and say to yourself, oh, well, you know, it is what it is because it is what it is because people devised it to be that way. And, and not only devised it to be that way, let's look at where the battlegrounds are taking place at the local levels across America. School boards, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very deliberate strategy by the right wing to start it at the local level and then make it a local grassroots issue, a national issue and an international issue at the school boards to assault, intimidate, threaten men and women, our teachers. So they seed the ground. So they say, F this, I'm not getting paid enough. And then once they seed the ground, who comes right in? The right wing does. And in Texas right now, I was just in Texas, uh, a, a congressman has now proposed a list of 850 books that they believe should be banned. And those 850 books are overwhelmingly stories about Asians, black folks, and brown folks, and LGBTQ and women. Hmm. I wonder why. Why did they pick on Beloved in Virginia when Youngkin ran? Hmm. I wonder why. And, you know, let's take this personal uh, and make it personal, because how can it not be personal? Just last week, I remember uh, on, on the social media, bringing things full, full circle, I think it was USA Today uh, that was asking the question, you know, when should children learn about race? When is too young? And you saw, like, this is where Twitter, I think, is sometimes good is because it makes you realize you're not alone. Look at the responses of all the black, brown, and Asian folks, myself included. We're like, uh, age five. That's when we were told, are told our skin is like the color of poo. Uh, age five, that's when I was in kindergarten, I was called the N-word. Uh, age six is when someone made fun of my eyes. And I remember I was in sixth grade, we were learning world history. I'll never forget this. And I loved my teacher. It's not his fault. And again, world history, ladies and gentlemen. This is what they did. And I was so excited because in the book, they had this beautiful chapter in Islamic civilization. Pretty big part of world history. And they had this huge section on like China we literally skipped over it, Daniel. It was Greeks, Romans, Enlightenment, uh, England, American Revolution. Mm. So think about it. If you're an 11-year-old and you don't know any better, you're like, huh, who created everything? Yeah. Europeans. Yeah. Wh no, right. white Europeans. White Europeans. Well, 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 what about the rest of us? I mean, you just benefited. You just stood there with a handout, didn't you, Watch? <laughs> yeah, didn't right. you just stand there with, with a, a handout? With a right? Give me a bootstrap. Yeah. I mean, but like, it, it is absurd to me. I mean, the way in which, right, I, I just think about this. Muslim, is, Islam, is a religion of what? Over a billion people? 1.7, they say. 1.7, almost 2 billion people. Okay, 1.7 billion. 
And all we know in this country about Islam is what? ISIS. Terrorism. Terrorism. So 1.7 billion people are what? Activated terrorists? I just, I don't understand how we have allowed these narratives, these stories, these lies to continue. And then we look at the events surrounding 9-11 and we look at the persecution that was happening in the subways on people walking down the street, being beaten up and abused. The Mm. same thing that we saw play out once again with COVID, because then you had an administration that wanted to call it the Kung flu, right? right? And to set a target on these people's backs and you say to yourself, wait a minute, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? Because it's from the denial of the history and the truth. And it's how you decide to either ignore or actively suppress everyone else. And I wonder, Waj, because this is the question that I always ask. It's like, what it, what is it about white fragility mm. that doesn't allow for the stories of other people to be told? Why is it that everything must be stomped out in order for whiteness to be upheld? Yeah, it goes back to the story. This the spotlight has to be on whiteness. It has to be centered. It has to be elevated. They get the leading role. They're the protagonist. There's no Fast and Furious with white supremacy. Uh, it's only Vin Diesel. And it's the whitest version of Win- Vin Diesel also. Like, like The Rock dies, Tyrese dies, like Michelle Rodriguez dies, like everyone dies. And if, God forbid, they get co-billing, Vin Diesel's going to muscle in, right? It's the fragility, the fear, the weakness. The listeners have heard about this before, but I'm, I'm sure it's apt right now. If you've been in power your whole life, equality looks like what? Oppression. Oppression. A, a, an example I give when I, when I talk to students and it kind of clicks with them is the following. Imagine if the narrative you've always had your life is the following. And I'm going to paint a picture for you. This is a boardroom. These are the people who are the gatekeepers. There are 10 seats. My granddaddy, when he was on this uh, boardroom, there's a photo. See all that? There was 10 white men. And then with my daddy, it was nine white men and one white woman. And then for me, now it's seven white men and one woman of color and one Asian man and uh, another white woman. And my son now, he's on the board. It's only six white men and four people of color. From your perspective, perspective your narrative if you are the protagonist of your narrative is that something to be celebrated or does that cause some economic anxiety from that narrative perspective from white supremacy you danielle have replaced me this is no longer the country i recognize this is no longer my great granddaddy's country when there were 10 white men and everything was good now you are replacing me now from our perspective right the sidekicks the villains the footnotes we're like the ones with no backstory the ones with no backstory the ones with no narrative arc we're like hooray we're in the room look at there's two others yay we we can finally eat these fans hey i'm alok the host of build the change a brand new podcast from mac blue about the people at the center of progress Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. 
planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. See cheeses we can't pronounce and get lactose intolerance, but it's worth it because it's fancy. And ooh, look, crackers and grapes and meatloaf, <laughs> right? Like for the rest of us, we're like, we literally, it's like, when, let's take it back to when we were young, story time. When I was growing up, I was the token brown kid and the token Muslim kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the other. I just wanted Chet and Travis to invite me to their home to eat meatloaf. Like, I wanted to see, like, white people wear their shoes in their homes. I just want an invite to the party. That's it. You don't want to take over the party. You don't want to replace them. You just want to get invited to the party. And I think that's why I try to tell white folks is we just want to get invited to the party. We just want, we don't want to be the protagonist. We want to be the co-protagonist. Our vision and story of America includes you, but it stretches the narrative. It expands it. Your vision of America, one that's rooted in white supremacy and, 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 and kept alive through white rage and white fragility, is a constricting narrative where no one else has a B-plot line or even a speaking role. It's all you. And that's the difference between you and me. I mean, that is a, I mean, the imagery that you just created, Waj, is like a flashback to my elementary school, high school, and college. (laughs) It is this idea that by expanding the story, by opening the door, right? That means that you don't have. And I say this, it goes back to the scarcity model. Hmm. If you convince people that there is not enough, that we are not coming from a place of abundance, then everything that you that is given to others outside of you is a loss for you. That's right. So how is it that we can both in America believe that America is the land of the free, home of the brave, all of these things, the most abundant, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and yet we can expand the idea of 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 what it means to have equity? Right. Like I thought on one hand, you're you're telling me you're wearing your old Navy flag shirt and you're telling me that you're a patriot. Right. And that this is the greatest country in the world. And yet we can't have a conversation about equity. We can't have a conversation about what it means outside of just spouting off random quotes to actually actively work to perfect this imperfect union. I'm all for diversity, equity, and inclusion until it affects me, and I have to give up some privilege. And we saw that this conver- this moment of reckoning, I love it. America always has these moments. 2020 was a moment of reckoning. That moment lasted all of a year and a half. Until I don't even think it lasted that long. Probably a little like, bit less than, like a year, right? Yeah, I think it lasted. I said that basically what white people had was a social justice internship that took place from about um, George Floyd's murder at Memorial Day. And it and it and it was expired by Labor Day of 2020. No, you know what? And we we kept you know, we kept saying, when will they turn on us? Because if you're a student of history and you know the story of America, it's two steps forward, one steps back. And I'm like, yo, there's no way. 
there is no way they can tolerate this for like longer than two years. Like there is going to be a backlash, and you you are now witnessing, ladies and gentlemen, the backlash. Like even the like just look look at like the you know tying it all together. Just sixteen nineteen project. What mm-hmm. did Nicole Hannah Jones do? Really, if you really step back, right, Daniel, you're like, okay. Brilliant idea, 400th anniversary, 1619. So she, she was writes the New York Times at the at the at the magazine, and she does a special issue. Wonderful. She brings in black voices to talk about the stories that are excised, the stories of these millions of black slaves that were brought here against their will to help create this country and were tortured. And now we have you know a greater understanding. Well, great. Move on. That 1619 project, just a simple project, a simple New York Times review magazine, right? was so threatening is so threatening that they're mm-hmm. trying to ban it i mean just it just goes to show you what we're up against and, and you know, even the mere even crt which is taught in graduate schools can't mention it diversity like what's what are they trying to do in schools hey we're trying to make schools a safe space where black and brown and white kids can learn about other cultures and feel you know that they too belong that's all it is it's something beautiful but that has to be snuffed out. And so it just shows you how fragile white fragility is and how even the slightest attempts that the rest of us have to expand and stretch America will be met literally with the violent resistance of a Kyle Rittenhouse and Eddie Gallagher, uh, the three men who lynched uh, Ahmed Arbery, uh, and now men and women like Paul Gosar, who elected officials who are promoting violence uh, from Congress. This is what we're up against, guys. This is indeed what we are up against. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. This has been my conversation with our guest host, Wajahat Ali. And we will be back next week. In fact, if white supremacy doesn't run amok and snuff us all out. <laughs>